Welcome to the Forthright Women podcast, where we're dedicated to revealing what keeps women leaders successful and sane. We address challenges like being an executive mom, enabling more women to rise, and fueling our own minds, bodies, and spirits. These conversations are unapologetically real, insightful, and from forthright women themselves. Let's do it. Welcome to our Forthright Women's Podcast. I am April Martini, and I am joined here today by the other half of Forthright People, my business partner, Ann Candido. Welcome, Ann. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so today we are going to jump into some topics that we feel like are really compelling to women, therefore the name of the podcast, and we will round out our discussion with some quick hit questions, which I tend to be long-winded, but Anne's much more concise than me, so we'll ro- roll through those at the end. I am an engineer by background, so. <laughs> All right, so Anne, the first question I wanted to talk to you about is, where did you historically struggle most with being an executive mom, and what did you do about it? Yeah, so not only was I an executive mom, I was actually a single executive mom because my well, my husband at the time, he traveled five days a week, right? And I had two very young kids. I had a full-time career at P&G. I used uh, daycare uh, significantly um, from probably the, pretty much from the time it opened to the time it closed, even to the point I had to leave, make sure at least an hour ahead of time so I could get there on time, right? So I was desperately always trying to figure out how to manage everything all by myself. And I know a lot of people are out there are like, yes, <laughs> that is me too. Um, and I could go on and on about all those different things. And if you want to probably on some of those, I will. But I think the biggest thing that uh, always seemed to cause the most amount of conflict was when I had to travel mm-hmm. when Rob was already traveling, right? Mm-hmm. So my kids were already very just, just upset and kind of despondent that the dad was gone all the time. He's only there on the weekends. I, I grew up like that too. I mean, it's not like a detrimental place for a, a kid to be. I mean, I grew up fine, I think, according to most people, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it did kind of wear on them. And so if I was going out of town too, it was kind of like the whole world was coming to an end. What? Mom, you're going out of town too, but dad's already out of town. Now there's not going to be anybody here. And I think the thing that I always had to rely on was my parents um, that would be able to come and stay with the girls um, while I was traveling. Now, I could have made the choice not to travel, which is like a lot of women would. And they would say, well, you know, my family comes first. And yes, your family should always come first. But what was I going to do to my career if I didn't go on these trips? It was going to significantly compromise my career. So I always had to find and I always wanted to find a solution that worked. And again, my kids are now 18 and 15 and they're fine. So let me just say that, you know, we caught through the other side and they're fine. But um, it's very hard in the moment to kind of to make that all work. And so what I will say to that is that you have to have a village Mm -hmm. and a village is really, really important in order to one, surround your kids with uh, people that are going to be caregivers and but also feel okay that you're making this choice and yes, your kids are going to be a little upset and you're going to call them and, you know, they're going to be, oh, when are you going to come home? How many sleeps, right? And like, that's the typical way that they count. You're going to have to to manage that. You got to manage the emotion that goes with that and it's going to be hard, um, but it's okay to choose your career in some cases <laughs> over making sure that your kids are always happy in whatever their definition of happiness is all the time. Yeah, and I think... 
you know, we've talked about this before, more than just the progression of your career, it was about your ability to find ways to be the best version of yourself for them. That's exactly right. Because right. I think that that's the other side of things that sometimes is missed is we sacrifice, but we sacrifice ourselves. And I feel like this is a place where women can get in trouble, where they give, give, give until they have nothing left to give. I think that's totally fair. Yeah, that's totally right. All right. So now you mentioned the girls are older. <laughs> You're on the other side of some things. But I think it is important for people listening to hear what kind of happens on the other side and then what challenges do you face now and how are they different and how do you handle them? Because we know a lot of our listeners are in it, me included, from mm-hmm. the young kid perspective. So what does it look like when they are 18 and 15? Well, well I do find it funny when I like I look and I see Sam and Mia and especially Mia and I'm like, Oh, I know it's coming. <laughs> and I'm going to so enjoy watching every moment of it because you're, right. on, you're like, guess what happened? I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and I'll tell you exactly where that's going, you know. But um, so I think right now, like I said, the girls are 18 and 15. So I just dropped off Ainsley at college and she's actually in Macon, Georgia, which is very far away from Cincinnati, sure Ohio. Is. Um, and Corinne's a sophomore, right? And so for me, the biggest thing on the other side has been the letting go piece, right? Um, and then recognizing that they are people and that they need to grow and they need to learn some of these things on their own. Like, I'm not going to be able to make it right for them all the time. I'm not going to be able to control their lives that they're, you know, everything is going perfectly all the time, that they don't feel any pain as much as we'd like to. I think sometimes we overindulge in making things very comfortable for our kids and our kids never develop that sense of self that's like, I got this. Mm -hmm. I can make this. I can figure this out. I know how to like, you know, make my life work around me. That doesn't mean they don't need you or they don't Mm -hmm. need you to provide perspective. But early on, what I always start to do with with the girls was, um, especially Ainsley, she was my one who was always seemed to be like wanting to do everything. Mm -hmm. And at one point she wanted to do cheer and she was in cross country, I think, or she was starting to run. And uh, she's like, I have a conflict. Like they want me to be at this race. I have a game that I'm supposed to cheer at. What do I do? And I was like, that's a pretty tough choice. Like you gave yourself a pretty tough choice. She goes, well, what should I do? I'm like, I don't know. What mm-hmm. do you think you should do? She goes, I don't know. Like I gave my commitment to the sport and, you know, to do, uh, to, to cheer. And there's only so many girls. If I don't show up, it's a you know, big symphony gap, but yet I want to run. And, you know, so she's kind of going back and forth and debating with herself. And I, you know, provide some probing questions. Um, but eventually she has to make the decision for herself. And then you as a parent have to be okay with whatever decision they mm-hmm. make with that. And as long as they're not going to be, you know, to the point where they're going to destroy their lives. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have to like them let their make their choices and then they get to see and feel the consequences after that. You can shape up what the consequences may be. I mean, so another similar story story is um Corinne, she was playing at one at one point, I think on three select soccer teams, right? And her, we had just come back from Indy the weekend before and I got somebody stopped me on their last game of the season. It was on a Friday and they said, "Can Corinne come with us tomorrow?" to Indy in order to play in a tournament with us. And I'm like, I just came back from Indy last weekend. I have plans this weekend. So I looked at her. I'm like, can she go with you? And she kind of looked back at me. And she's like, well, I guess so. And then she's like, is it okay if her and you know, her friend, like they stay in the hotel room by themselves? I'm like, yep. Yep. <laughs> so, and, I, and so I asked Corinne, I'm like, if you want to go do this, you're going to have to go. And she's like, that's fine. 
So I gave her money and I checked in on her and she had parents watching her and made sure everything was logistically arranged. But she ended up spending time with this girl in the hotel room. And then obviously it was a, her player, one of her co-players. And they ended up becoming really good friends as a result, mm-hmm. which never would have happened if I didn't like send her on her way to kind of go do this. And like, yeah, was there a little bit of guilt associated with that? Yeah, but I was like, I can't do everything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the one thing that I hear you say is all around building independence and self-confidence within mm-hmm. them. And I feel like there's a problem truthfully now with watching situations where there's well-intentioned behind what the parents are doing, but they're carving out the path too much for the kids. And I mean, we've even started instituting instead of us packing Sam's lunch, he has to pack his own lunch this year. Oh, that was the best thing I've ever did. I mean, he's kicking and screaming right now, right? But to the points you made about now they're 15 and 18 and the decisions get harder they have to have the tools within themselves to be able to make decisions that, while you said, may not be what you would do, but they have to be, quote unquote, strategically sound. I'll use our words. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No matter where they are in their life, but they can't keep running back to mom to solve it for them, especially when they're so far out of the state that, you know, if Ainsley gets a flat tire tomorrow, you're going to be like, there's nothing I can do. Figure it out. You have AAA. You need to call AAA. Yeah. But I think those building blocks and then watching what happens when you get to the other side and them having to make the decisions for themselves and then feel okay about them, even if they're not the popular choice, what you would do, all of those different things, but feeling equipped to do so. And I feel like the, the you know, going from what things were to what they are shows what can be if you put those proper things in place for your kids. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. All right. So switching gears a little bit here, why do you feel compelled to help women rise, which is one of the initiatives of forthright women and this portion of our podcast? Yes. So I firmly, firmly believe that the tone of business leadership really needs to change, right? We... (laughs) We over-index in the male-dominated characteristics that have led businesses for a very long time. And I'm not saying that men are bad and women are great. I'm not like an over-feminist here. But what I do know and I do understand and lots of other smart people who who also say this agree is that there is an element of, of women in the nature and the style, the tone, the characters that they bring to leadership that complement the whole realm of business leadership in a way that helps propel businesses forward faster. Mm-hmm. It's an undisputed fact. You can, you know, go and consult any Harvard, any kind of study and, you know, and all these entrepreneurs and uh, VCs and all these people who are actually investing in women-owned businesses and women and men-owned businesses. And they'll say the exact same thing, right? That there's a dynamic there that helps to catapult businesses much faster, more quickly. And that's because women have some characteristics that tend not to be in men. Like the whole, like, we're going to all find a common solution that works for everybody. Yep. I'm not saying men don't have that. So please don't, like, sit there and, like, be a man raising your hand. Like, I do that. I'm like, okay, everybody could do that to some extent. But I'm a general, like, gender terminology here. Women tend to be more collaborative. Mm -hmm. They tend to be... Like, I'm going to figure this out. They're going to tend to be, they could do multiple things at one time. They can tend to handle emotional integrity a little bit better than men. 
those are very, very fundamental characteristics that need to be in businesses in order to make businesses better. And I'll give you an example, and I'm not going to say the the name of the business, but me and my husband are actively trying to pursue buying, well, I actually bought two licenses for a franchise, and we can't find a location, right? Now, that doesn't mean we haven't found suitable locations, but one, the first one we couldn't get because there was a basically a pissing contest between the two owners, both mm. men, right? And they couldn't reach agreement. They said they've been blocking each other for years. I'm like... This makes no sense. You guys are complimentary businesses. You guys could come together and you could like make each other better, but no, there's a pissing contest. And then they ended up posting some very suggestive, very um, stereotypical social post with regards to this industry that I didn't <laughs> find very um, appropriate. So again, that would never would have been, <laughs> that would never would have flown with woman leadership. Like it, there's just certain aspects of that that I think are very, very important. So I, I, that's why I feel like it's so, it's so important to help women rise and, and why I feel like we need to have more women in leadership positions. Yeah, I think that this is where it gets sticky. And like you said, people kind of shy away or they get defensive of the conversation. Right. right. But the truth of the matter is there are things that women just over-index in that's just inherent to who they are. And I feel like when we can – well, we can talk about it and then embrace it in a more objective way where it doesn't become emotional. That's where I think the magic really happens because I think your example is spot on where it's like it was a heavily male, you know, influenced dynamic. They're at a stalemate. They can't move beyond that. Think about if you had a woman influence in that situation, how much different that could turn out. And then it doesn't become a pissing match. Yeah. And I think too, like a lot of people would say on the other end, well, like I've worked for, you know, a lot of women leaders who are you know, that have like the bad behavior and sure. all those things. I'm like, yes, that is definitely mm-hmm. there. That definitely exists. But from what I've seen, a lot of that bad behavior stems from a big sense of insecurity yes. and paranoia because they're trying to blaze a trail. Yes. In the, in the meantime of being in this male dominated area that they're trying to navigate. Yes. And so their tendency is to act like a man. Yes. Which yes. doesn't work either, yes. right? So this whole thing needs to just to kind of flip a little, around a little bit, I think. Which I think goes nicely to my last question before we get into the quick hits, which is what do you think needs to change to have more women rise? Is it mindset? Is it support? Is it just plain help? What is it? Is it their internal mindset or the external environment? Give me some perspective on this. All right. So I'm going to go to a very like controversial place. <laughs> but I'm going to say I think people need to stop thinking about women being baby factories. Yep. All right. So – and I know that sounds we're derogatory, just gonna go there. but we're just going to go there because <laughs> but it's I, right. It's I, what, yeah, it's what we're talking about. I feel like that's what it distills down. It's kind of like, well, women are the only ones who can have babies. So therefore, they need to sacrifice their career progression, their lives in order to be able to have those babies. Now, the problem that continues to perpetuate after they have the babies is the mindset regarding how to raise the kids, where a lot of times women are like, hey, I grew this I know how to raise a baby. I know what's right about the baby. And so, or then it becomes a child and it becomes your, your, you know, your teenage child, whatever it is. And you're like, there's only one right way to do it. Right. So we tend to like block out other people from helping to raise our kids because we feel like we, there's only one right way in order to raise kids. So therefore our mindset becomes so fixated on having to be there every moment at every time of our kids' lives in order to, again, manage or control or, 
heaven forbid, if you miss something and you feel guilty about not being there, right? We need to be able, again, as I was talking about the village, surround our kids with more people that can give them different experiences, different perspectives, different points of view. I mean, yes, my, my kids have come from a divorced family. They now have two sets of family, basically, who love them and care about them and give them different perspectives on their lives. So they get surrounded by like a ton of love, a ton of care, right? And so I think that is sometimes what the, what the mindset that we miss is that we, as especially moms, so they, we don't necessarily need to be the primary caregiver all the time. We can let our husbands, our spouses, our friends, our family, whoever it is, help to care for our kids so that we can have more space in order to be able to do the things that we want to do within our careers and our lives. And then men need to then step up, right? And I'm not saying that they haven't. I know that a lot of men have really come along in, in recent years, especially now that we have paternity leave and stuff like that. But they need to take a more active role and realize that they too can have that that opportunity to be a dad and not have to work like 60 hours a week that you can go to take your kids to little league games that you can make the choices. And because it's still ingrained, I think in the minds of uh, a lot of couples that like, Oh, the man is still the lead with regards to the career and the money making and stuff. And the woman is still the support. Well, that dynamic needs to, to flip a little bit too, so that we can have a better perspective on how to manage the family in totality, but it comes from not only within, but it comes from externally looking at it and again, not judging and and, and accepting the fact that everybody's going to handle it a little bit differently. Yeah. I mean, I think you said two really good things. Number one, I think you gave a different perspective on the village. Mm -hmm. So, and I fundamentally agree with you on this. Your kids can be loved by lots of different people if they're loved consistently by those people. So what you do when you build a village is you surround them by other people that are very familiar, that they trust, mm -hmm. and then it becomes a situation where if you as mom can put your own personal ego aside, it's okay if grandpa or quote-unquote Aunt Jill, who may or may not be an aunt, right, <laughs> is the one to pick them up from school or go to the soccer game that week because you're out of town. Or just be there to take them somewhere because they're close enough where the kid feels comfortable doing that, right? So I think that's one huge point. I think a lot of times when people think village, to me, it's always been defined in a more transactional way. Like you pick them up from here and I'll get them from yeah, here. Yeah, it's not carpool. We, we're not yeah, talking about carpool. Yeah, here. we're talking about emotional support and the consistency of time spent with them. And then I think on the other side of things is this idea of the realization that p other people aren't going to do it the way that you want it done, right? right. So We've had a lot of conversations about that. Yes. So while you may be the mom, you're not perfect either. I'm sorry. That may be blasphemous. Well, you're maybe not, but I know I'm pretty damn close. <laughs> But just because it's not your way doesn't mean that it doesn't work. And sometimes, honestly, it works better for the kid. There's been plenty of instances in our life where my son would rather talk to my sister or his papa than me about things. And it hurts the first time. But now I'm just so grateful that it doesn't all fall on me. And they have that access. Yes. Right? Yes. To get, you know, feel comfortable. Otherwise, it's you or nobody. Yes. Yes. Right? Exactly. Yes. Which is a tough place to be. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, on to the quickfire round. Anne, what is one thing you want to be remembered for in your career? All right, so I'm going to teach you how to do quickfire, okay? Okay, go. Make an impact that changed the course of people's lives for the better. All right. What are you reading or listening to right now? All right, so I, like you, I have ones that are kind of at-bat, on deck. <laughs> the whole. All right, so the one that I'm reading, or I'm actually listening to right now on Audible is How to Talk to Anyone, which is the one that you made me read. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm hot and cold on that one, too. I'm like, it's so outdated. It is I'm, outdated. I'm struggling yeah. a lot, and I think there's some inconsistencies with it. But Earning It is another one, which we said we were going to read one from – the two books that she's written and we're going to compare, I'm finding the exact same thing that you're finding, although... From Power Moms? Yeah, from Power Moms. Um, I like the stories, but I'm having trouble following the stories because they're so chopped up. Uh-huh. Uh, Recapture the Rapture by Jamie Wheel. That one I love a lot. Um, so that one, I, I think I got that one from Tim Ferriss, who's what I'm listening to right now as well. And it's a very interesting book about... I, I, I can't even describe it because it's so like different but it's it's basically kind of taking a different look of the world and he kind of segments it into three different sections and so i i'm not even going to do it justice by kind of telling you what it's about but i find it fascinating because it's a different look in the world and i like it when people kind of take some different and sometimes contrarian points of view mm-hmm. to help make a point so i'm finding it very interesting all right life hack that has worked best for you DoorDash. not surprising <laughs> yes all right. And then finally, a little local flavor here. What do you love about living in Cincinnati? I love that there's a little bit of everything. I, I When I used to, well, I still travel a lot, but when I used to travel a whole, whole lot, I went to a bunch of different places and I never found another place I'd rather live than Cincinnati. A lot of places I like to visit, but no other place I'd like to live. And I'm wondering why that is. And I think it's because there's a little bit of everything. You have the sports you have the music scene, you have really good restaurants, you have the parks. It, there's just like something for everybody that everybody can enjoy, but it's not overly pretentious. It's not over over the top. It's not like, you know, in Manhattan where you could be waiting six months to get in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all very approachable. And I appreciate that. And I also appreciate that we have like such fantastic suburbs that are not overly expensive. Everybody can kind of find their place, but they're all kind of very different. That's what I, I like the most about Cincinnati. All right. Love it. Well, that wraps our episode of the Forthright Women podcast. Thank you for joining me today, Anne, and we will have many more episodes to come. Being a forthright woman can be challenging on a good day, which is why we offer individual and group coaching as well as group trainings and keynotes. Check out our website, forthright-women.com to learn more. If you find this podcast of value, please rate and review us and share with other women who could use a boost to become a forthright woman.